Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bold, your host. Thanks for being with us. Well, we have a fantastic show today. It is called the FASB Lease Accounting Changes, A Whole New World. Look, there's some lease accounting changes coming on that may impact how companies uh, make real estate decisions. And it also may impact commercial real estate industry overall, especially the investment market. Well, please welcome my guest. First, Alan Bichelle. Alan is founder of ProCalc. He's also co-founder of ProLease, industry standard lease analysis and lease administration software. Alan, thanks for joining us. Michael, thanks for having us We today. appreciate it. Also, please welcome Bill Bosco. Bill is president of Leasing 101, a consultant to the leasing industry. Bill, thanks for being with us. Michael, thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate you guys being here in Studio One uh, in Atlanta. And I'd like to ask you about these, uh, they, kind of, they kind of get referred to as the FASB lease accounting changes, but it's not just FASB. Uh, tell us about these changes coming down the pike. Alan. Well, um, Michael, we've been, Bill and I have been working together for the last five years or so on this. And basically, in the history of commercial real estate, leases have never been on the balance sheet. They've always been footnotes to the balance sheet. Approximately 10 years ago, the SEC mandated from FASB and the IASB that we put leases on the balance sheet. The purpose is, is that we need to get a true representation of the liabilities of companies, future liabilities. So the project has been going on for quite a while. Uh, FASB and the IASB have disagreed a number of times on how it's going to be done. We are reaching the end of this project now. It is supposed to be signed off on by the end of this year, and it will be implemented. Uh, the schedule is coming up. It'll be January of 2018, retroactive to January of 2016. But the important part is, is that how do you put a lease on the balance sheet? That's the key. And to do that, we're going to capitalize the lease. So there's going to be a lease liability, which represents your obligation to pay future rents. There will be a right of use asset, which represents your right to use the asset. And we're going to be amortizing those down to zero at the end of the term. It is a complicated process. There's a lot that goes into it. And it's something that we've been working on for the last five years. Right. And you, and you mentioned that leases even in 2016 will be impacted, right? So leases that we're, we have today that will be in, in, in place in 2016 uh, or we're signing today maybe will, will be impacted by, right? Basically, any lease that is on your books as of January of 2016 that expires after January of 2018. Whether we signed it three years ago or ten right, years ago. Doesn't make a difference. Right. It will be capitalized at that point in time. Okay. And, and Bill, tell us about these changes and, and how they've come about. How are they being made? Well, wh yeah, why is this project uh, on the agenda? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think the uh, International Accounting Standards Board and the Financial Accounting Standards Board recognize that lease obligations are a, a, actually a big number. And they also know that most all analysts, equity or credit analysts, and all lenders actually make estimates of the capitalized value of the assets and liabilities when they do their financial ratios to make their decisions. And they decided that it was too big a number and it shouldn't be just in the footnotes. Uh, and they needed an accurate number, so hence the project. Now, one important thing to note, it is a worldwide project, except that the Financial Accounting Standards Board in the U.S. broke away from the decisions made by the International Accounting Standards Board uh, in the area of lessee accounting. 
what the ISB decided is that all leases are the same. They're just, they create assets, the right to use uh, property, and they create liabilities, an obligation to pay. The FASB stuck with the current risks and rewards framework, which says some leases are actually finance purchases, what are known as capital leases now, and some leases are operating leases, like most real estate, retail, and office space leases. And they've stayed with that framework, which is very good news for the U.S., uh, because all that they're really doing is capitalizing operating leases, keeping the rent expense level, and they're also separating capital leases that and operating leases that are capitalized on the financial statements and not treating the capitalized lease obligation as debt. So it's not going to violate your debt covenants. It's not going to change a lot of your financial ratios. Whereas the ISB version, not such a, a good outcome. Interesting. So there's been a lot of feedback. This has been going on a long time. So so FASB has kind of come to the, the industry, if you will, and ask uh, how it might impact us, right? Oh, yeah. I, I happen to be on uh, an 18-member uh, working group uh, of both the FASB and the ISB, and I've been working on this project for 10 years. It's so complicated and controversial because a lot of people think that leases shouldn't be on the balance sheet because of their legal nature. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been a long road, and I have to commend both boards for, for the vast amount of outreach. They've asked for comment letters on two exposure drafts, and I think we're, uh, in the U.S., I think we have to be thankful for the fact that the FASB is much more open-minded, and they listen to our arguments about the fact that a lease obligation is not debt, and, and, a, and the lease expense is a pro rata expense. And uh, so I guess we're, we can say that we're lucky. The ISB uh, is more stuck in their ways. They just think that a lease creates an obligation and it creates an asset. End of conversation. From a real estate perspective, you're much better off being a FASB company than an IASB company. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Which means a U.S. company, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And tell us about the Fatal Flaw Committee, Al. Well, the, uh, the whole process of creating a new standard involves exposure drafts, feedback, and then when they finally get all of the, what they think are the right decisions, they, met, they create a final draft and they send it around to, to key people I happen to be one of them, <laughs> but they ask for, they ask the key And that's people. where we are now, right? Yeah, we're, okay. we're there right now. Okay. And so people like Pricewaterhouse, mm -hmm. KPMG, um, the, the trade associations uh, that are involved in real estate and equipment leasing, they've all been asked uh, to, to take a look at this final draft and tell us if there are any flaws in it. And there aren't, I took a look at it and I have to admit that there aren't many things that are going to change and so if you googled their website you could see an outline of the project and that's about how it's going to work out so we really know what's going to happen it's just that the final words haven't been put down and haven't been signed but the fatal flaw draft looks like a, a go not any you don't think there's gonna be big changes in and what's there now and what's going to be 
coming out, but there are some changes on, on how uh, leases are going to be accounted for. And, and talk to some more, Alan, about the timing, because I think some people think that, well, this has been talked about for so long. Let's just ignore it. <laughs> you know, I, I bring the topic up in everyday business calls that I yeah. speak with people, and I yeah. can't tell you how many times I hear, it's never going to happen. Yeah. We've been going through this for years. Yeah. It, 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 it is happening. It, yeah. it is going to happen. It is expected to be signed, as I said, by the end of this year. Um, when Bill got the final exposure draft, uh, the final draft, the fatal flaw draft, he looked at it and read through it and he called me and he says, good news, everything we've worked on is the same. It's correct. <laughs> Nothing else is going to change from there. So from a software vendor's perspective, that's really good. So we know what's happening. It's supposed to be signed off by the end of this year and leases that you are signing today and already have on your books will be capitalized. Okay. And who is impacted by these lease changes? Well, I think we should changes. add one thing, though. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's going to be effective 2018. Right. But if you're an SEC registrant, you have to show comparative statements. So you need to show two years' worth of balance sheets and three years' worth of P&L. So don't sit back and think that, oh, I got, it's 2015, I can wait till 2017. No. As Alan said, any lease that's on your books now that expires after 2018 has to be restated, and your, uh, your, your financial statements have to be restated to show the effect of the new rules in every period that you present in your f financial statements. So it certainly makes sense if you're looking at in entering into or changing a lease now to consider how it's going to impact your company, right? Exactly. The, the when also, I just want to add one more thing about the when, which is that if you're a calendar year company, mm -hmm. it is going to be January of 2018. Mm -hmm. If you're a fiscal year company, say your fiscal year begins 7-1, mm -hmm. it's going to be 7, your first reporting period will be 7-1-2018 to 6-30-2019, mm -hmm. retroactive to July of 2016. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of what your company follows. Yeah, interesting. You know, and uh, when I ask some of the tenant and tenant reps that, that we have and that we have on the show, and I ask some of the landlords, how much are they hearing about this? And most of them aren't hearing a lot about it yet. And that kind of surprises me because I think there's going to be, there, it could be some major changes that could change how companies make decisions on their leases, how they structure them. And we're going to talk some more about how the tenants may structure their leases, how this may impact the market. Uh, so stay tuned. And we'll also talk about who this will impact. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Our topic today, Fastbeat Lease Accounting Changes, A Whole New World. My guests are Alan Bichelle and Bill Bosco. And, and Bill, I think some people think, well, this isn't going to impact my company or my business. Who does this impact? Well, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a huge impact because all companies lease. And all companies that are public companies have to follow GAAP as well as any company who has to produce audited financial statements, like a private company who wants to borrow money. So it, it's gonna affect all of those companies that file audited financial statements. And the, the companies who are most affected by it are gonna be the ones that lease long-lived assets like 
uh, equipment like airplanes and trucks and rail cars and also real estate. Um, the, uh, I, I did a, a study in 15 out of the top 30 co companies that, that lease the most in terms of reported footnoted uh, lease payments are retailers. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the most notable ones are Walgreens, CVS, McDonald's. Other companies pop up like United Airlines, FedEx, uh, Walmart, GM, Citibank, and GE. And uh, some of the companies are going to be affected tremendously depending upon the nature of their leases and their, their propensity to lease. Walgreens is going to have to have a 57% increase in assets, as opposed to CVS, which only has a 23% uh, increase in assets. And if you go to my website, I have a calculator that you can put in the future rent obligations and calculate the estimated impact on your company's books. And that's leasing-101.com, right? Right. Okay. And so <clears throat> it's, it's all, all, all companies that have have to file financial statements, and the most impacted companies are the ones whose lease profile is heavy real estate leasing and heavy large ticket equipment leases. Now, the uh, how are they going to be affected? Well, a commonly asked question is, will my uh, credit rating change? No, because lenders, credit analysts, equity analysts, they all are experienced in dealing with operating leases and adjusting ratios and measures. Uh, they, now, how, how, is, uh, how are these going to impact my e equity analyst view of my company? There, if you're a FASB uh, company, a U.S. company, it's good news because ratios like EBITDA, gross margin, operating expense ra ratio, current ratio, debt to equity ratio, return on equity don't change at all because the FASB is, is staying basically with the same framework that we have now. Now return on assets is going to get worse for FASB companies because there are more assets, same amount of return. And the quick ratio is, is going to be worse because there's an added liability and no added asset. So Wall Street's not going to care about the reduced return on assets? There, it's, you know, the way I think about it mm -hmm. is that Accounting rules change and people adjust. Yeah. Now, you do have to worry, though, if your company leases, if the structure of your leases or the volume of your leases is greater than your peers, mm -hmm. you might have, in a peer analysis, you might not show up that well. Now, the ISB, it's not as pretty a picture because many of those ratios that I mentioned get worse. A few get better. but the, And the reason is that they front load the expense for leases because they treat every lease like a capital lease. So your return on assets is even worse because your P&L is worse. Um, and, and your debt to equity is worse because your equity is eroded because lease expenses front loaded and you have more debt. They don't differentiate between debt and operating lease obligations which disappear in a bankruptcy. That's kind of the key decision that the FASI made is that Accounting for a lease according to its substance matters to people. Mm -hmm. What about loan covenants? What if I have covenants in, in my loan documents? Might these changes to my balance sheet impact me in any way? Well, uh, I, I mentioned that the FASB, only two of the eight ratios mm -hmm. were, were affected. Uh, so there, could, there are some debt covenants that are based upon financial ratios. Mm -hmm. but, <coughs> but the biggest concern always was 
will it blow my debt limit covenants? Mm -hmm. And the good news on the FASB side, the answer is no, because they said that the operating lease obligation is not debt. The bad news on the ISB side, though, is that your question is a very good one. Mm -hmm. I think many of their, their companies are going to have technical defaults because of this accounting change. But it's important to understand that an accounting change does not affect the strength of your company. It's just an accounting change. Right. But uh, like you said before, even if I'm a private company, like my company, Bull Realty, is a private company. But if I'm going to go apply for a, a loan, right, now I've got to have financial statements uh, that are audited, right, or certified. And, uh, and it's going to change. Like I've got a big lease here on this, on this beautiful corporate headquarters, right? <laughs> And so that's going to change my numbers, right? Yeah, it's going to change your numbers, but the good news is yeah. you're here in the great old U.S. of A. Yeah. If you're an ISP company, you're going to, you probably are going to have to negotiate for some covenant relief. Yeah. Basically saying what Alan said. Yeah. My company's no different. They're now calling this thing a, a debt when it never was even on my balance sheet. So I wanted to renegotiate my covenant. Unfortunately, in this day and age, that's probably going to cost you, certainly in legal fees, and the bank might even charge you a fee to, mm -hmm. to make that change. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Alan, what should tenants do now? Uh, this is coming down the pipe. It's going to impact their lease accounting for 20, leases that are in, in, in place for 2016. What should they do now? It's, um, you know, this is, as, as I tell people, this is a paradigm shift mm -hmm. in the world of commercial real estate and accounting for leases. Mm -hmm. We are going where no real estate person has ever gone before. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work to learn how to do this. People need to get on the front side of this. You have to take a proactive approach rather than a reactive approach. Step one, and I'm not saying this just because I own a software company, but step one is to get a piece of software that has the functionality built into it to let you start to capitalize leases. You have to learn how to capitalize type A leases, type B leases, subtenant leases, okay? It's not enough to learn just how to capitalize a lease, but when something changes your financial obligation, you're going to have to restate that lease obligation, which is a whole other set of calculations. The only way to learn this is to sit with a program, to start putting in deals, to take your HP-12C out or your regular calculator and start typing in numbers. Make sure you can prove every number that prints out on the reports. It's important to not be able to just generate a report and say, here it is, but hey, I understand all of these numbers. I understand where they're coming from. If somebody has a question, I can explain how we got to this particular point. So it's important to understand what affects the capitalization of a lease and how to capitalize a lease. We have broken. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we have broken the process down mm -hmm. into seven pieces of information that you need to get. Number one is it's important to understand the capitalization term. There's a lot of things that affect the capitalization term: options, renewal, cancellation options, when they would be included. Term, or not. the length of the lease. Yeah. The length of the lease term obviously mm -hmm. would be one of them. Okay, mm -hmm. is this a new deal? Is it a renewal deal? Because when you start the capitalization schedule, will be based on that as well. Mm -hmm. Two, what expenses do you need to capitalize? There's rent. There's variable rent. There's all sorts of little iterations that go on with all the different things. It's way too much detail to talk about on this show. But there's a lot of stuff that goes into figuring out which costs are going to be capitalized. You need to know what the discount rate you're going to use. The discount rate is used in calculating the interest on the lease liability and the present value of the rent obligation. So 
Yeah, it's a lot to think about. <laughs> All right, and we'll have some more tips for uh, tips for what you should do as a tenant to get ready for these changes and how they may impact the commercial real estate industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Our topic today, FASB Lease Accounting Changes, A Whole New World. My guests are Alan Bichelle and Bill Bosco. And Alan, before the break, we were talking about the seven variables that you need to know to capitalize a lease. Tell us about that. Okay, so before the break, we went through the first three, which is understanding the capitalization term. Mm -hmm. Two is understanding the expenses to be capitalized. Three is understanding the discount rate that you're going to use to capitalize the lease. Four is understanding the deductions that you can take in your rent. The goal is to capitalize the least amount of rent possible. So right. it is very important to understand all the deductions that you can get. Any rent that you receive a service for, you are entitled to deduct from the rent to be capitalized. Examples of that would be like in a gross deal where you have a base year for uh, operating expenses. You can deduct the base amount every year. If you have a full service deal that's including utilities and electric costs, you need to back the electric costs and utilities out of there. I think we're going to see a change in the way deals are negotiated in that uh, tenants are going to want landlords to bifurcate any possible services out of the rent. So for example, if there's a gym in the building and uh, it's included in the rent, the tenant can say, I need you to bill me separately for the gym. Now, if your rent is $30, you can't say bill me $29 for the gym <laughs> and $1 in rent. They're savvy to that. Oh. It's going to have to be a commensurate cost that goes with the service. That's an expensive gym. But, <laughs> so, but you want to understand the deductions, look at the lease, figure out what it is that we can bifurcate out and help us to capitalize the least amount of rent possible. Um, deductions, uh, other deductions would be landlord allowances. Any allowance the landlord gives you, whether it be for TIs, moving, architectural, cabling, wiring, you're allowed to deduct from the ROU asset as well. Only when you receive the allowance. So if a landlord says, I'll reimburse you up to $300,000, you can't take it at the beginning. You can only take it as you get the money from okay. the landlord. Okay, so that is five. Six would be initial direct costs. Initial direct costs are defined as any cost paid by the tenant to a third party that is directly related to the negotiation of the lease. So examples of this would be legal fees, brokerage commissions, uh, consulting fees that you might have if you've hired a consultant on it. Uh, the seventh and last variable is impairment charges. And impairment is, is defined as any time the asset value is less than what you're carrying it for on your books. In real estate, the best example I can give you would be if you were to be subleasing space at a loss. That would constitute an impairment charge. So those are the seven variables that you need to capitalize a lease. And I think what you're going to see here is that companies are going to either change, or if they don't have one now, form a new real estate playbook. Right. This is going to be guidelines that are going to tell you, for the real estate department, things that you need to track, things that you need to think about when you sign a deal, how you're going to record the information, and what it is that you're going to record. Yeah, this is a whole new world because <clears throat> in the past, a lease was just footnoted. And that had a different level of uh, 
in, ter in terms of how your auditors looked at it. Now, because of Sarbanes-Oxley, you have this this real estate playbook is your new process, and that it's got to have you've got to demonstrate that you have internal controls in place that are going to capture all the information that Alan said, and you've got to document it to satisfy your auditors. It's not just like a simple footnoted rent; it's now an asset liability and an expense accounting. So it's risen; it, it rises to a new level. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what people may not be realizing yet. You know, there's a lot of people out there today that are running around and telling people present value and net effective rental rate is dead. Mm -hmm. You're never going to compare deals using that. Nothing could be further from the truth, okay? Capitalization is important, but in any deal that you do, there's always going to be an economic analysis and an accounting analysis. Right. The economic analysis is going to include the total costs of the deal. Right. So I tell people, if you're representing a tenant and you're doing an analysis to show them what the cost of this piece of space is, you want to show them all of the costs to get into, occupy, and get out of that piece of space. That's right. the economic analysis. The accounting analysis only deals with costs that have to be accounted for, whether it be straight line rent currently or capitalized in the future. There is a big difference between all of the costs to get into, occupy, and get out of the space versus just the costs to be accounted for. So capitalization is not something that you are going to be doing and that's all you're going to do and you will be looking at three different alternatives. You'll capitalize all three and say, huh, this one's cheaper than that one. There's nothing that you, when you capitalize a lease, you don't add it all up like the total cost or the present value. It's a moment in time. Right. There are closing balances on the balance sheet every single month. There's a, a monthly cost that hits the P&L every single month, but it's not a total figure. We will still use total cost, present value, net effective rental rate to compare deals, we will use the capitalization for accounting purposes only. Okay. And we're going to have to take a break here, but I think uh, you know, good tenant reps you're talking about and good lawyers that are representing tenants, they want to know more than the occupancy cost. They want to know how it's going to impact the business in all types of ways. So uh, to the, to the uh, real estate brokers who say, I don't want to learn about accounting, well, get ready. You're going to have to know more and we'll tell you more. So stay tuned. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Our topic today, the FASB lease accounting changes, a whole new world. Our guests are Alan Bichelle and Bill Bosco here in Studio One with us. So, Alan and Bill, Alan, start us out, if you will. How might these changes impact a company's decisions? Okay, so um, it's important to understand that, let's say you're a tenant out and you're looking at three or four different locations, you're comparing them. Capitalizing the leases is not going to give you a metric by which you can look at three or four different locations and pick one. It's a business decision first. So you're going to make the decision which is the best property. The capitalization, the accounting role of this is going to help you to structure the best deal in the building that you deem best for yourself. It's not the metric to use to say this one's the best or the cheapest. Yeah, yeah after you make your business decision, then of course you want to worry about how does the lease fair under the new accounting rules. 
How's it going to affect the valuation of my company for my shareholders or my owner? And how's it, frankly, going to impact my bottom line, my bonus as the business manager? And you can do things, and Alan's going to explain them, to structure the lease, to minimize the amount of assets on the books, and to defer the cost of the lease on the books. So it, it, it is going to impact you, but first make the right decision for the real estate property. And it may impact a, a, a manager very directly, right? Right. Uh, yeah, we've, uh, I've done deals where there was no question it was going to be an operating lease because um, my bonus is based on ROA, and if there's no asset there, there's a better ROA. Right. Interesting. Now, of course, the asset's now on the books, but yeah. not 100%. Yeah. It's no. the PV of the, the rents. That's so, so let's talk about how deals uh, may get structured differently. So, you know, I think one of the biggest things is renewal options. And people do talk, when I do talk to people who are familiar with what's going on with the accounting changes, renewal options are the first topic that always comes up. Um, basically, what the guidance says right now is that suppose you have a 10-year deal with a five-year renewal option. If there is an economic incentive or compulsion to exercise that option, you're going to have to include that in your capitalization schedule. So no longer are you capitalizing 10 years of rent, but 15 years of rent. And you've got to know that 10 years in advance, right? You're going to make that decision today, exactly. Uh, furthermore, many options are written as like uh, 95% of fair market value. Mm -hmm. So somebody is going to have to make a determining factor as to what rent you're going to be paying for that renewal option 10 years from now. Good luck doing that. Yeah, good luck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's not considered a bargain today, even 95% of FMV, you don't know if you need that space in, in 10 years. Right. So it, it's got to be compelling or an obvious bargain. And I don't think the accountants are going to say 95% of FMV is a bargain in your renewal. There, there is no threshold. It's not like, well, if it's 95% or more, there's no economic incentive. Below 95%, there's an economic incentive. The, the boards give guidance, but they don't give definitive thresholds. Oh, thanks a lot. So, so this, exactly. <laughs> so this is something that you're going to have to work with your auditor on to figure out whether you are likely or not likely to exercise it. But here's the thing. This is something that, you know, I'm always thinking about things, keeping the wood burning up here, trying to figure out loopholes and ways to help my clients mm -hmm. negotiate better deals. So if we can, uh, the reason a tenant takes a renewal option is because in the past, it hasn't cost him a dime. Uh, the cheapest thing for him to do is to always renew. He wants the ability to renew. And when he comes to the end of his lease, if he has an option on the space, he can decide if he wants to renew or not. Right. So now there is going to be a detriment to having a renewal option. One of the ways that you can get around this is instead of negotiating renewal options, negotiate rights of first refusal. So in essence, it gives you, the tenant, the same thing. I have a right of first refusal on the space. The landlord can't lease it out from under me, but I don't have a renewal option. But it doesn't lock in the rate. To be exercised. It doesn't lock in the rate, but most of them are written at 95% of fair market value. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, you're better off waiting to see what the market is. We don't know today, 10 years from now, if the market will be up or down. You could lock in the rate and you could be on the wrong side of that. Yeah, but if it's an option, you're a tenant, you can renew it or you not. You can go either way. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, in the end, you're going to negotiate a deal yeah. when, when it comes time to take the option. Yeah. But a right of first refusal will give the tenant the same ability to have the space. It can't be leased out from under him right. without the space being offered to them first. The, uh, the negative part of that is in year six or seven, the landlord may come to you and say, hey, I have a big tenant. They want to move in the building. I need to know what you're going to do with the space because... I'm going to lease it out. So you might have to commit in year six or seven. 
but that's a lot better than having to commit today for 10 years. So it's just trying to find these ways to negotiate deals where you don't have to have a renewal option. This, I should mention also, this has not passed the test of any audit auditors yet. This is my thinking in the people that I have spoken with. Yeah, it could work that way. So One of the big determining factors in whether or not a renewal is a bargain or compelling is the amount of leasehold improvements. The more leasehold improvements, the more the accountants will say, you can't afford not to renew because you'll have to walk away from those improvements. Oh, how about the more the, leasehold improvements you have in the space now. And how about the, costly. So the, how about the cost of move? That'd be a factor as yeah, well? That, that'd be a factor as well. Okay. When, well, it seems a little subjective, though. It is, very. Bill and I have met with the IESB and FASB together mm -hmm. on numerous occasions. And we survived. And <laughs> we're still here to talk. <laughs> But well, one of the things that we brought up to them, we said, unequivocally, without a doubt, the cheapest thing for any tenant to do is renew because you won't have moving costs, you won't have downtime. You know, even if you do just the bare bones minimum paint, carpet, wiring, cable, you know, and some unless extra rates of, work. Unless rates have dropped significantly and their business would operate better at another building. Okay. But the, the cost to relocate. Right. You okay. Have that. Just for that, it is cheaper to renew. They said that wasn't enough incentive, okay? Yeah. So there is, as I said, unfortunately, there's no thresholds. There's no hardcore numbers or, or, or rules. There's just guidance, and you're going to have to work that out with your auditors. And that's what the real estate playbook is going to be all about. A whole new world. It's going to be fun. <laughs> well, stay tuned. We're going to have some tips and some sources for more information. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Would you like to shake hands with decision makers in your favorite commercial real estate sector? Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com for multifamily student and senior housing to net lease and healthcare conferences all over the country. Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today our topic is the FASB lease accounting changes a whole new world. We have Alan Bichelle and Bill Bosco in the studio with us. And and guys, before we end the show, let's leave some deal structure tips uh, with our listeners and viewers. Alan, what are some tips? Okay, so uh, one of the other tips that uh, we've been talking about is real estate taxes. Mm -hmm. We mentioned that you are allowed to deduct any rent that you receive a service for from the rent to be capitalized. And again, your goal is to capitalize the least amount of rent possible. We talked before about operating charges. Uh, if you have a base year for operating, being able to deduct the, deduct the base amount. Real estate taxes don't work quite the same way. Although you are receiving service for the real estate taxes. The problem is, is that service is not directly related to the space that you are leasing. So the boards have said you are really just reimbursing the landlord for his expenses. So you cannot deduct real estate tax base amounts in a gross deal. So what that means is that you're going to want to structure deals differently. We can keep a gross deal for operating expenses, get a base year, but for real estate taxes, we're going to want to negotiate a net deal, break them out. The language in the lease has to say completely separate from base rent, you will pay all of the real estate taxes that are due because of your space in the building, your proportionate share of the taxes. So structuring the deals is going to be different yeah. that way. And Bill, what about on lease escalations, uh, well, how the, the rents increase and escalate each year? Well, the, the, the FASB rule is going to say that any contractual rent 
is going to be capitalized in the capitalization calculation. But if you have a CPI clause that increases your rent based on changes in CPI, that is not going to be part of the capitalization calculation. So you can reduce the amount that's capitalized if you can negotiate a CPI deal rather than an escalating rent deal. And you could also defer the expenses because the CPI, ex the CPI increases as they occur become cash expenses in the year that you pay them. So it's, a, it's an actually double-edged sword benefit. Less assets, deferred P&L, more money in terms of ROA, ROE for my company. Okay. And like you guys said before, it's a real estate deal first. It's a business deal. Then it's accounting. Right. So if, you, if you're estimating that your uh, in, increases in your rent uh, are 2% and you think that a CPI is going to be 2%, then go with the CPI, right? right. But if you're getting a 1% escalation a year, obviously now you're talking about a business deal. It's, it's yeah. a little risky, but... Yeah. Yeah. The, the total amount to hit your P&L, if the CPI and the fixed percentage increase were the same. The total amount that hits the P&L is going to be the same, mm -hmm. but it's going to be cheaper in the front side if you take the CPI. Right. But it's sort of like pay me now, pay me later. In right. the end, it's the same, but it's a timing issue. Okay, now let's talk about some sources where uh, our listeners and viewers can get some more information now. You have a um, ebook, right, that, uh, that our listeners and viewers can access? Yep, um, you can go to our website, www.proleasesoftware.com and download a copy of our ebook. It's for free. And it gives you a lot of great information, certainly things to uh, get you to start thinking about and understand. And uh, it's great for the beginner, somebody who knows nothing about it. We wrote, this with, uh, we wrote this for people who have no accounting background whatsoever. So if you negotiate deals, this is a, a great source of information for you to start with. Thank you. I can even uh, figure that one out. Well, right? <laughs> and Bill, and then on your site. Yeah, my, my website is leasing-101.com. I do a lot of writing, uh, and I track the lease projects. So if you want information on the accounting end of it, what's going to be in the new rules, when are they going to hit, uh, and equipment leasing information, go to my website. I also have this calculator so that if you're a lessee out there, you can throw in your footnoted rents and get an idea of what the lease the lease project is going to do to your financials. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Michael, thanks. We, we realize, Alan and I realize that the Commercial Real Estate Show searches high and low for the greatest minds in leasing. I know they were busy, so thanks for having <laughs> Alan. We, we appreciate being here. <laughs> you guys are great. Hey, if you're on the Fatal Flaw Committee, you are an expert. Uh, and thanks for joining us. So be sure and join us next week. We're talking about mixed-use development. And uh, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X C E L I G E N T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.